Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. It's going to be on the screen above me, so please read along if you can. All right. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is no one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. One faith, one baptism, one father, and we belong to him. What a joy. Let's pray. Jesus, give us your perspective. Jesus, we want to think like you think. We want to behave like you behave. We want a revelation of the father like you have a revelation of the father. Jesus, we want to have a revelation of the body like you have a revelation of the body. Jesus, teach us to build this church in accordance to your will and your way, Jesus. I ask that you would bless this word and bless the hearer of the word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said amen. 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 All right, you can be seated. So we just read in this passage of scripture, um, this idea of oneness. Did you see that? Did you hear that? This very strong press to one, the idea of one. When I say oneness, I'm not making a theological statement. I'm talking about oneness in the body, okay? So that's what I'm talking about today. But we see this one body, one spirit, one hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. You're like starting to get like the goosebumps. You're like, why, do, why does the word one kind of stir me in this way? One God and Father. So we can see that God intends for his body to be one. One. So that's why the title of my message today is simple. Why we are better together. Why we're better together. I think we're better to, together because that's how God intended it to be. So we're going to dive into that idea. In fact, that's kind of what this whole sermon series has been about, joined together. Hey, how can we be rightly aligned with, God's, with God himself, with leaders in our life, and with each other? That's the whole idea of being joined together. And the, and the thing that Paul is tackling in this passage or this part of the, of the scripture and the letter that he's writing to the church is the idea that, hey, God intends for us to be unified. God intends for us to walk together. And I believe that we, in our culture, I don't know if you know this, but we live in a radically individualized culture. Did you know that? It's so, um, people thought we were really weird when we decided to move in alongside my parents. They're like, why would you do that? 
I'm like, well, it just feels natural to have like, you know, generations together flowing, helping each other. But it's so, it's such an interesting idea in regards to our, the culture that we live in. It's very much, hey, you turn 18, you get kicked out of the nest and good luck as you fly and fall and hit the ground for, you know, the first couple of years of your life. Sorry if you're 18, you're doing great. You're doing better than you think you are. You're doing way better than you think you are. <laughs> it's surreal. Sometimes you need to hear that. You're doing better than you think you are. But we struggle with this idea of being inconvenienced on behalf of the people that surround us, right? So we're like willing to be um, inconvenienced by a measure, you know, to the people around us. I think we're, we're kind of willing as we grow up and grow older to be inconvenienced on behalf of maybe our spouse, right? Like, oh, you know, but sometimes that's even a fight, right? To like actually you know, let each other inconvenience one another and know that that's actually a good thing. And it's not a bad thing. They're not like trying to keep you from your purpose. They're just trying to like be one with you, right? But time and time again, we hear God throughout scripture saying that he wants us to be one. And to me, that reminds me of the story in in the beginning of the book in Genesis of, of marriage. And um, it's this idea, it comes from um, both the, in Genesis, but Jesus reiterates it in Mark 10, verse seven through nine. And he, and he says this, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, become one with his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but they are one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So from the beginning of time, God has ordained this idea of oneness. And we kind of understand that through the lens of marriage. And we kind of innately understand, hey, yeah, there's this idea that God wants us to be one, at least in that context. So we have a revelation about marriage, but do we have this revelation about the church? Because the church is a picture that God started painting at the beginning of time with marriage. Did you know that? I love the father. He is the most creative being in all the universe. From the beginning of time, he painted a picture that we could understand when he birthed this thing called the church so that we could understand this idea of oneness and being connected and being in unity with one another. So with marriage, we're like, yeah, I got it. But with the church, it's kind of hard. And especially being a part of a Protestant church, we're like really good at like, hey, when we disagree about something, we just divide and we like, make up our own new thing, right? Just love it. That's why I'm kind of a fan of the Catholic church. Don't like screen grab this and like share it, but they really know how to stay together. And I like that about them. They've had like one split and it was us when we decided to like, you know. <laughs> Listen, they've got it. In that way, they understand this idea of, hey, we don't just we don't just disengage whenever we disagree. We actually utilize the word. For them, they use the saints, but we use here the word of God as our binding, the presence of Jesus as our binder to stay together when we disagree about something. It's like a ring. It's like a covenant. It's a vow. The body of Christ joined together through Jesus, his life laid open. And when you said yes to him, you're saying yes to his body. So we understand it in, the, in regards to marriage, but he wants us to understand it in regards to the church. And he wants us to be one body. 
So just as a marriage can't thrive separated, neither can a body, just like a human body, right? I think it's so interesting how God used different things to articulate the severity of ideas that he wants to birth in us, kingdom ideas. So he used the idea of a body, Franklin knows it's like his finger's broken and that hurts enough to be separated in that way. Imagine losing your head, right? The body cannot function. Losing, you know, your top half. What are you going to do? You cannot function. His idea was you function best connected, right? That's the idea. I'm using the picture of a body to symbolize to you what it looks like to be in unity. Not everybody's a hand and that's okay. Not everybody's a foot, and that's just fine too. My son Isaiah is probably a brain because that's he likes math. Miss Amanda knows that. I'm not a brain. I'm probably a heart. <laughs> I'm a heart. So we don't all have to have the same function, right? But we all have to agree together that your function matters to me. So, hey, you might be in business called the business full time and your function in the body of Christ is just as valuable as mine here shepherding and leading this community. Why? Because you can get to people I'll never be able to. You'll get to them faster than I ever could. They won't listen to the podcast. They won't watch online. They might not even walk in this building, but they'll say hi to you, the barista at Starbucks. So everybody's function matters. And we all have to agree together that despite our function, we need each other. And so to thrive in the body of Christ is to acknowledge that we need to do this thing together. And your gift is really beautiful and valuable to me, which is why I love the fivefold, because it's this celebration of all of these different gifts functioning together to make a whole picture of us unified around Jesus. He's the only one that personified all five ministries. We all get a little bit of him in gift forms and office forms and, you know, but together working, we can be this beautiful picture of him reflected on the earth. And that's the goal, right? So the first thing I notice in the passage of scripture as it opens is Paul shares um, an interesting statement, which is this. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And I find it interesting that Paul identifies as a prisoner. I wonder why he identified as a prisoner. That's what I asked myself. In my notes, Lyle sees because he helps me, you know, kind of pull my messages together because he's really good at this thing. And I'm like, I ask myself questions in the notes so that I'm like, maybe he'll help me answer the question. <laughs> Why does Paul identify as a prisoner? But I believe that he's qualifying the encouragement he's about to give to the, the church, which is, hey, I'm not saying this to you because I think it's a really good idea. I'm saying this because I am a bondservant to Christ and I say what he says and I'm a minister only of his. So if you don't like it, tough cookies. Tough cookies. If you want to be more married to your way before you met him, then you're never going to exist or thrive in this thing as he designed. And that's a word of encouragement to us today as a body. We cannot forget that the Bible speaks to us just the same today. Even if it's a different context, same issues, right? Same issues. 
So we have to let that penetrate our heart and recognize that, hey, if we're more married to our lives pre-Jesus than to the life that Jesus calls us into with his body on the other side of the cross, then we're never gonna thrive in this thing called the body of Christ. We're consistently gonna be frustrated when a leader's not perfect, when we recognize, hey, it's not the leader, it's us following the leader unto Christ, right? Jesus, so we gotta follow Jesus wherever he goes. We gotta, be, we gotta be fast forgivers because that's what Jesus told us we had to be. We don't get to choose. I'm sorry, you don't get to choose. You don't get to choose to be bitter, hold grudges. We have to be fast forgivers. That's what Jesus asked us to be. Why? Because he was the one first. And that's the only reason that we have the ability to do those things even in the hardest of situations. Say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. So we have to really adhere to this idea that, hey, Jesus has asked us to walk in a certain manner as a body of believers, and we can choose to do that or we can choose not to do that, just the same way in marriage, right? You can choose to live connected or you can choose to live disconnected. The fruit of disconnection often is divorce, right? The fruit of disconnection in the body is spiritual divorce, right? There is separation, and the reason why God is so passionate about one is because the devil is passionate about two. So the devil's name in the Greek is Diablos, which is, means two, the divider, right? So I don't know if you guys were here when um, Pastor Manny came and spoke, but he talked about the power of, of oneness again, that the power of the cross was to bring together what the enemy had separated. And that's why Jesus is so all throughout his ministry. Hey, hey, I know that you don't really get the idea of unifying just for the sake of unity yet, but how about you unify around me? Because we can all agree, you know, if you have a revelation that I am the Christ and I am the savior of the world. So let's get around me and we can find oneness in this idea. We come from different backgrounds. We can, Lau asked the question last week, and I love this. Hey, how many of you grew up in a denominational church? You know, most of the room kind of raised their hand, Baptist, Presbyterian, you know, some liturgical, very few of us had um, more charismatic backgrounds. We all come from different backgrounds, spiritually, different backgrounds, culturally. But we have this opportunity to unify as a body around the one person, Christ Jesus. And he's always pushing for that oneness. And the reason is because the enemy knows that unity cannot be shaken. It's like what my kids try to do when they ask Lyle something. He says no, but I wasn't in the room. And they're like, oh, maybe I'm gonna go ask, maybe I'm gonna go ask mom. We're getting better at it. They're growing. We're not doing this as much. Mom, can I do the thing? I'm like, what did dad say? He said no. Then why are you asking me? Because we are on the same team. Even if I would have said yes, who cares? It's no right? Because we're on a team. Team Phillips, we're together. Team Phillips, we're together. So it's like, oh, okay, they get that understanding, right? They're frustrated in the moment, but then they feel safety long-term, right? Children feel safe in unified homes. And that's the same thing with the body of Christ. You feel safe when you come into a home or a place with people who are unified around the right thing. Jesus. Jesus. So when I was growing up, my mom had this hilarious rule that now makes a lot of sense to me as I grow up. If you want to hear it, 
If you're a parent, you can implement it. It's a fantastic one. Um, but she said this thing, um, unless you can be kind to your siblings, I cannot trust you to be kind to anyone else. <laughs> Meaning if you fight with your siblings and we had plans to go hang out with someone else, we all of a sudden have no plans to go hang out with anybody else. Because I cannot trust that you'll be kind to them if you cannot be kind to your sister. So if Katie and I were bickering, um, we, you know, which is rare, we, got, we get along pretty good now, I think. She works for me, so I hope that she gets we get along. But um, if we were bickering, all of a sudden those plans were canceled, right? So I oftentimes wonder if that's kind of how God feels about the church, feels about us. Like I would trust you with more, but you can't even be nice to your siblings. How am I gonna trust you with the lost? You say that you wanna minister, you wanna be a carrier of the gospel in your workplace, but you're backbiting about the church community I put you in. I'm not gonna give you influence with people who need his house, who need his home, who need this thing called the body if you're not in unity with the body. I just imagine, you know, that's me imagining about the Lord. You know, I can't, I don't know if that's, I'm sure I could find something that would back that up in the scripture, but I just, I imagine, hey, I, I wonder why God would give us access to more of his greatest treasure, which is people, if we can't figure out how to do this thing together here. This is the practice zone. This is it. This is part of the practice zone of your spiritual life. You practice worshiping God with other people. It is a practice. I practice the presence of God when I lift my hands in worship. I practice the presence of God when I sing out loud and I honor him with my voice. I practice being a part of the body when I serve in Legacy Kids. I practice being a great boss when I learn how to lead teams here at Legacy. This is, gets to be a practice zone, right? So if we fail the test here, it's really hard for me to imagine the father entrusting us with his greatest resources, which is people, in order to do more, impact more, reach the lost. He's gonna reach the lost. He's just, that's who he is. But it reminds me of that passage of scripture. Hey, it's, we don't have a harvest problem. We have a laborer problem. And this is where we learn together to be the laborers. And we go into the field of our lives, our jobs, our families, and we bring in a harvest, but we cannot do that disconnected. But what I believe the Lord is inviting his body and specifically this body, because this is what I'm dreaming of. This is what I'm praying, that the Lord would invite us into a higher calling. A higher calling. I think that we really understand here at Legacy the value of the presence of God. I really love the presence of God. I love when he shows up. I love when he turns my life upside down. I love when he takes sin in my life and through repentance, he brings healing and wholeness. I love that through his blood and his shed sacrifice, we get to have wholeness in him. I love when the Holy Spirit shows up and baptizes us and we speak in new tongues and we learn to prophesy and we learn how to engage with the presence of God in a new and exciting way. I love that. That's my favorite. But what I think that the Lord's calling us into in this next season is a revelation of his people. 
and the value that we have to serve, love, and shepherd those that he really loves. Just those in the room and those who have yet to come through those doors, who work at your workplace, who you meet in the coffee shop, who you meet as they do work at your house. So I feel like instead of us being a, which we're not, so I'll say that, a backbiting, gossiping, divisive to culture, that we become a one culture, non-competitive. I think he's inviting us into this Psalm 133 reality. I love this Psalm. We can read it. It's going to be on the screen up here. Psalm 133, one through two. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured down the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Meaning that in unity with others here in the body of Christ, we can experience the oil of the high priest. Did you know that? Unity commands a blessing. So when we are unified, we have unique experiences in the presence of God which is wild to me, that when we unify together around the person of Jesus, we have unique experiences in his presence. There are certain experiences reserved for the community. You know, there are certain experiences reserved for your prayer closet, certain experiences reserved for you and a few around a dinner table. But there's a certain experience reserved for the community and it's addicting. When he shows up in a room full of people, unified around him, going together in their own, own unique gift towards him, man, it's something so special. And that's what I long for here in this house, is that we, we would be unified around his presence to such an extent that we would have no need to be distracted with anything aside from him when you're here. It's like becomes addicting. You don't want to miss church. You don't. So I kind of want to talk through um, three, three, I think three truths that I feel like are in Ephesians 4 for us here at Legacy um, and stuff that we could really, if we could grab a hold of this, it would take us to the next level, okay? So if you're taking notes, now's the time to take notes, okay? So we're going to circle back around to verse two. Um, and it says this, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So here's, the, here's my first truth, that if we embrace this, I really think that we're going to be experiencing a unique outpouring of the presence of God in this house. And it's this, oneness is a byproduct of humility. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Humility is the key to deep and connected relationships. There is no true connection without true humility. Humility to me looks like flexibility. Some people ask, what does it mean to be humble? It means to pivot quickly for someone that you love. You know, I do, you do that for your, your kids, your spouse. It's, we, we recognize it in that context. But what about here at Legacy in this practice zone, when we say, hey, we, I need, personally, this is a real need, I need 12 new volunteers for Legacy Kids. How quickly do you pivot your life and your rhythm to say, yes, I'll serve the family where the need is. I'll get my hands dirty and I'm going to pivot. I really like worship. Listen, I like worship a lot too. I really like worship, but for two Sundays a month, I'm going to sit one of my services with legacy kids and I'm going to pour my life into those babies because I know that humility 
creates space for oneness. And I want to be a part of a unified body. I love this quote from Matthew Henry. He says, the first step towards unity is humility. Without this, there will be no meekness, no patience, no forbearance. And without these, there is no unity. Without patience, there is no unity. We have to be willing to slow down for those who we love. Pride and passion break the peace and make all the mischief. Humility and meekness restore the peace and keep it. Where there is humility, there is gentleness, there is patience, and a willingness to bear with your brothers and sisters despite the hurt and the pain they may cause you. You are humble enough to continue to want oneness even when you are hurting when you have humility and operation in your life. Point two is this. People in unity or people at oneness experience peace. And we get that from verse three. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I've noticed one thing about, my, about church in my 30 years of being a part of it, and it's when we are together and unified in the knowledge of Christ Jesus, it is bliss. It is bliss to be a part of church. It is joy. You walk in those doors, you're so excited when you're like, I know this whole room knows that Jesus is the most important thing. I feel so excited to be a part of a growing house where God, where Jesus is actually the cornerstone of the foundation. Yes, I love this. When there is division, when there is gossip, when there is divisiveness, it is hell on earth. No one's gotten hurt in church because of unity. You know, we all have church hurt because someone was divisive. Someone gossiped behind your back. Someone didn't defend you when they should have. Right? So where there is division and divisiveness, it is hell on earth in my opinion. But heaven is supposed to, or Church is supposed to be the picture of heaven on earth. And in heaven, there's perfect unity around Jesus. So no one wants to be a part of a disconnected marriage. And that means no one would really want to be connected to a disconnected church. You know, nobody chooses. I'm going to go, I'm going to find the person that I hate the most and I'm going to marry them. Oh, it's the opposite. It's who can I build a life with? Who has values that are in alignment with mine? Who, who can I connect to that I'm willing to adjust my values for, right? You, ha- you, have that, you have that dialogue. It's the same thing with church. You want to walk into a room and feel like the team is connected, like the people are connected, like we're all contributing together in this thing. And I think that's one of the things that makes our church a really special place to be is you guys are leaning in together to make this house feel like a home for others. And I just, as we continue to do that, I just believe that God's going to pour out something so unique and special. And in that place, we experience the peace of unity. I want more peace in my life. There's a lot of chaos going on out there. So in here, I want, holy chaos is fine with me. I'm okay with that. But I want peace in my relationships. And the way that we embrace peace is by really accepting the, the, the call to oneness as a body. Here's the third point. Because after this, I have a really fun announcement for you guys. And um, yeah, I'll, just, I'll tell you when I'm done. I'm really excited about it. I have a really great announcement. So this is the final point before we get to that. And it's this, oneness is only possible where a church is completely dependent upon the spirit. 
Oneness is only possible where a church is completely dependent upon one faith, one hope, one spirit, one baptism, one, one, one. The idea that there is not many roads. There are not many roads that lead to the one father, the father, the one who's overall, through all, in all. There's one way and it's through Jesus. And we have to become completely dependent, completely dependent upon that reality, recognizing we cannot be unified in our own strength. We cannot. Because like, I like to fight a little bit. Katie and I, we kind of have that in common. My sister and I, I kind of like to fight. I like to tussle. I like to disagree. It makes me feel really excited. Me and Michelle, we get along in this area. But in our own strength, we can't fight or try to convince each other enough to be unified around the same idea. There's nothing that I could share with you that would be eloquent enough to convince you that you should be a part of this thing where we make each other mad sometimes and we really like, you know, we don't do it perfectly and the leaders are kind of a mess a little bit sometimes and, you know, there's nothing I could say that would be eloquent enough to convince you to be here. It's only him. It's only Jesus. Without him, none of this matters. But if we can unify around that, then we can weather any storm together. We can lean into any growth area together. You can even hear no and it feel like love because you know you're growing in a place where people care about you. And they're not saying no because they're trying to keep you from something. They're saying no to push you towards something. So we have to have this idea that Jesus is the center and we cling to him with everything we have. And then with everything else, which is nothing, we cling to one another. And we recognize when we cling to him, we're we're together. We're together in this thing. So I, I realized that through dependency, there's a grace to do things you've never done before. And maybe this is like unfamiliar territory for you. You're like, I was a part of a church that was really painful. Or maybe I came from a church that did community really, really well. And this is like, I'm starting, I'm getting my, trying to get my feet here at this church as we're growing in this idea. But what I want to invite us into in this next season is a commitment to building kingdom community a commitment to building this kingdom community. I want you to find your place. I want you to find your fit. I want you to recognize that what you have to contribute, wherever it is, whatever it looks like, we want it. And we're so excited to see it come alive and bloom and be on full display here. So I'm, I don't even, there's not even a really good segue for for this, aside from saying this. We've not had any sort of small group expression here at Legacy for a really long time because we had to go back to the drawing board and kind of revamp everything that we were doing in regards to our community expression. So a lot of you, as you've come in the doors, the number one question you're asking is, where can I connect? How can I find a friend? How can I build relationships? And I have really exciting news for you. We have just built out a brand new program to help you do that. Um, and it's, it, we're borrowing the idea from C3 because they really, really do a great job at this. So starting Wednesday, September 8th or 28th, we are launching our first dinner parties as an expression of our first kind of 
connect space is because my goal for you, our team's goal is for you to find your fit here at Legacy. You guys are like so good at putting your hand to the plow. I just want to make sure you build a friend while you do it. And we're in a growing and we're in a building season. And I don't want to neglect the reality that you need to, you know, have some community and have some friends. So hang tight with me. I'm going to give you a couple of just practicals. Obviously, there's a QR code right here. And these are pretty much the practicals here. So Legacy Dinner Parties is a program designed to help you build authentic relationships and life-giving community here at Legacy. It's also a really great opportunity to bring your unsaved friends and family members to um, dinner parties. It's like a non, you know, we're not going to be like preaching at dinner parties. It's literally connection, community, eating food together. And so some of you have friends who are like kind of on the fence. Like I want to, I, I think God's stirring something in me. I don't know where to go. Or you just have people who are in rough seasons and they need a place to go. Dinner parties is a great fit for them as well. So we're going to do dinner parties all, kind of in the four corners. I, I don't know if it's corners. We're going to do it across the greater Nashville area. So it's going to happen on the second and fourth Wednesday of every month until the foreseeable future. <laughs> so we're going to... Um, so the way that you can get plugged into a dinner party, this is, the, this is um, what you're going to do here on the QR code, okay? The QR code is going to lead you to a form. It's going to let you fill out very simple information. The way we're structuring dinner parties is you're not just choosing necessarily where to go. Um, we're trying to help people build community within a kind of congruent area of where they live. So what we're going to do is somebody, one of our dinner party hosts is going to reach back out to you after you fill out the form and they're going to place you in your dinner party that's in your area, if that makes sense. And the goal of that is that, hey, you actually build friends who you don't have to drive 45 minutes, you know, to go see every now and then. I really want you to build those authentic life on life, real um, communities. And so there's lots coming down the pipeline in regards to community here at Legacy. I want you to find your fit. I want you to find your place. I want you to find your community, the people worth fighting with and fighting for, staying connected around the presence of Jesus and understanding that he built this thing on purpose to make us better, to make us more like him. And he put people in this place to make us better and make us more like him. Amen. 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 Let's just give Jesus a round of applause. He's amazing. Thanks for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.